0: everybody, welcome to this episode of Enlightenment Today, I'm Jason. Today we're going to speak about the ancient Chinese sage and philosopher Mengzi, more commonly known as Mencius. Now Mencius lived from 372 to 289 BCE towards the end of the Great Warring States period of China. Now the Warring States period of China produced many great sages and philosophers, most notably Lao Tzu, Confucius, Zhuangzi, Shunzi, and also Mencius. Now Mencius is thought of as a Confucian philosopher but a lot of people actually believe his philosophy is leaning more towards Laozi's philosophy, leaning more towards Taoism and that he is actually a Taoist in Confucian clothes. Now people believe this because they say he went too far in updating the Confucian vision to meet the needs of the late Warring States period of China. So he changed some of Confucius's philosophy to meet those certain social and environmental circumstances of that time. So they believe he's really Taoist and Confucian clothes. Some reasons for this is because Mencius synthesized integral parts of Taoism into Confucianism. Now, for example, he kept the Confucian perspective of individual effort as needed to become a junzi, to become a peaceful individual and a noble person in society. He still believed that was true, but he also believed that one's natural tendencies, one's n- nature within is actually good, which is more so Taoist. Now this differs to another Confucian philosopher, sage, known as Shunzi. Now Shunzi believed during that period that people's innate people are innately bad. He didn't believe actually people were good. He just thought they were innately bad. Now Mencius would disagree with that. And on the other hand, as Mencius did advocate that human nature is really good, he still didn't agree with the Daoist perspective that we don't need any cultivation to produce this goodness. He thinks he thought that there still needed some effort to reveal this innate goodness that we have within ourselves. So Mencius' central teaching then and his central philosophy is that human nature is fundamentally good. And he doesn't side with philosophers like Shunza who believe that it's innately bad. And he doesn't sort of side with Confucius as well because Confucius didn't really think that our nature was actually that good and he, he believed that we needed a social and external philosophy to cultivate um, harmonious dispositions in the self. To articulate how we are innately good, he uses the agricultural metaphor. Now what is the agricultural metaphor? Well it begins back in a story, now this story is uh, about a man, a a farmer. The story is actually called the man of song story or or the farmer of song. Now this story is about an old farmer and he has his sprouts in the farm and he's frustrated, he wants them to grow quicker, he's looking at them and he wants them to to grow quick so he can, you know, have a good harvest this season but they're growing very slowly so he thinks I'm just going to pull them a little bit just to get them going, you know. And if you know anything about agriculture or plants in general, if you're starting to pull the plant and the sprouts are starting to come, out, uh, the the roots are starting to come out, you, you're pretty much going to kill the plant. So he, he yanked on the sprouts, he pulled them up a bit, and he went back home. He was exhausted, and he told his sons what he'd be doing, and the sons were were shocked. They were in shock horror, and they ran out to see how the sprouts were doing, and the sprouts had shriveled and died. So. There's a Chinese saying, a famous Chinese saying, actually that says, "Pulling on the sprouts to help them grow." This actually refers to any effort that is counterproductive um, to results. So when you're trying excessively too hard, then you are going to it has a counterproductive effect on what you are trying to achieve, and this is one of Mencius's points. So you have this agricultural metaphor with the sprouts, okay. So Mencius is kind of the middle way between effort and also naturalness, what we would call Zitran in, in Chinese, and, and it's a central philosophy in Taoism, in especially with Laozi and Zhuangzi. So but Mencius is kind of this middle way between both. He's kind of the, the push and pull technique between both. He says that we need effort, but also we need to understand that everything is okay, and we can, we can allow things to happen as well because we are innately good. So when we talk about things like cultivating wu wei, now wu is a Chinese word which refers to non-doing or effortless action or intelligent spontaneity, and this is a central theme in China, especially during the Warring States period, is about how do we cultivate wu this intelligent response to reality, um, very spontaneous, spontaneously of itself, but also virtuous. So how do we cultivate Uwe and morality? So he would say, look, it needs some effort, but you cannot force it. Like like the Farmer of Song. If you force the issue, you'll destroy everything about it. Now, this, this um, needs some effort and cannot force does differ to two fundamental schools during that warring states period. First of all, the Lao Tzu. Um, and Taoism, Lao Tzu's philosophy and and the Taoism that was built around it. Um, When we use the agricultural metaphor in regards to Lao Tzu, he would abandon all effort, okay? So what that means is from Mencius' point of view is the sprouts will not grow because the weeds will grow everywhere and grow over them and kill them and and so forth and so on. So Lao Tzu's technique of just allowing naturalness and things to just happen as they will is kind of frowned upon by Mencius in, in using this Sprout analogy. Now another school of thought during that period which does differ to his perspective in regards to this Sprout and this effort and non using some effort and non-force is Moism, which is a philosophy, um, which is a rational model of ethics built by the philosopher Mozart. And and. This rational philosophy of Mozart is kind of pretty common to the, the world we live in today. Forcing the issue, you know, you can think of all of these certain attitudes that people have of trying to attain things. They think they just need to barge through life and, and attain it, and don't count in count the emotional and spiritual circumstances of one's actions. So this is kind of Moism. It's about the practical aspects. But when Mencius would look at Moism in this sense, this this rational model of ethics and this hyper practical way of life. Um, he would call these people the sprout pullers. So he would say that the Moist would try to get things done too quickly and force the issue um, so they actually do active harm. So to, to they, they harm life, they harm themselves and they harm whatever they're trying to work on. Now as I just mentioned that Menchus was still influenced by Lao Tzu's idea of naturalness, okay? So I've gone back and forth a bit here because Mencius does disagree with Lao Tzu, does agree with Lao Tzu. He doesn't agree with Lao Tzu in the sense that just allow life to happen and everything is good. His agricultural metaphor is, is in support of naturalness, but he thinks of naturalness differently to Lao Tzu. When, when Mencius talks about naturalness, he's talking about agriculture. He's actually talking about growing things. From his perspective, nature is not static. So if it's nature is wanting to grow into something, and he's saying that's with us as well. We are wanting to grow into something, but we don't know what it is. But if we nourish our sprouts, then we will grow into that, whatever that in the future may be. So his perspective of naturalness is to do with agriculture. He believes nature is agriculture. Now. So Mencius didn't believe that naturalness or nature is a return to, the, to nature, like we leave our life and we go back into nature and live a simple life, which is kind of what Lao Tzu would advocate, the uncarved block. Mencius would say, no, no, that, that's wrong, that's wrong. So though Mencius did disagree with Lao Tzu about what naturalness is, he did agree with Lao Tzu about Wu Wei and how Wu Wei should spring from innate tendencies rather than being influenced from outside outside or external agents as what Confucius would believe. Confucius would believe that Uwe is cultivated from external influences following rituals, following social virtues, social ethics. But again, um, Mencius was dedicated to Confucian values but he, he had this mix and he did think about things very differently to Confucius and also Lao Tzu but mixed. philosophies together. So Mencius, in in support of Confucianism, he he still believes that there is need to foster morality, but on the other hand, he believes that any viable moral education needs to be grounded in embodied spontaneity. It needs to be grounded in Uwe, which is very Daoist. So he would say, we need to try but not too hard, not so hard that it is against our nature. We should not try that hard. So he would say when we're trying too hard, when we're overextending, we're yanking our sprouts. And when we're not doing anything, then we're kind of slowly dying, we're we're slowly not nourishing ourselves, we're not nourishing our sprouts because we're just not being active. We don't have that fine balance between effort and non-doing. So you might be asking, what are these sprouts that Mencius would talk about? Now the, the four sprouts correspond to the Confucian virtues of Confucius. So this is basically the philosophy of Confucius, but Mencius uses the sprouts as an attitudes that we should have to cultivate harmonious dispositions within self, within ourselves. So the first sprout he would say is compassion. So to have this feeling of empathy which leads to benevolence, which is the first Confucian virtue, ren. And so we need to cultivate this compassion, this feeling of empathy. The second one is disdain. Now this is linked, when we have this disdain, it's linked to righteousness or to righteous indignation, which is the second Confucian virtue of yi. And then there is deference. The third one is deference. Now deference is ritual propriety. So Li, the third virtue of Confucianism. So this means you, know, you defer to older people than you or you defer to maybe a teacher that has more knowledge than you. You yield, you're more, you're more humble, so forth and so on. And then the fourth virtue is approval and disapproval or the ability to, to think in terms of right and wrong. And this is supposed to lead to wisdom, Qi. Now, these are the four sprouts of Mencius. So they correspond to the Confucian virtues, the first four Confucian virtues. Now Mencius' idea is that with these sprouts we we all have these sprouts like we all have our four limbs. So these are, he would say that these are implanted within us from the heavenly order of the universe. These are implanted within us. So we, we have these four sprouts. But but usually we're not nourishing these four sprouts and we don't, they don't come alive you could say. So when we start to develop the four sprouts, when we start to nourish them, then we start to serve heaven, we start to serve the the cosmic order. But when we begin to neglect them, when when we don't understand the four sprouts and we don't operate from them, then this is to waste our heavenly qualities, to waste our, our our naturalness, our our nature, we would be wasting this. Now some people might say if Mencius does believe that we have these four sprouts, where is the evidence of these four sprouts? Now Mencius always has peculiar stories to explain this. And one of the stories he uses is the boy beside a well, this story, to show this innate goodness. Now he he said to one of his students at the time. Now I know that you don't believe that human nature isn't fundamentally good, and we don't have these feelings of empathy and compassion within us. But he says, let's picture a boy beside a well. Now let's picture the boy trying to get the water out of the well, and he, he's just about to accidentally fall into the to the well. What feeling do you have inside yourself when you picture that in your mind? And most of us, if well. Mencius would argue that all of us have a feeling of, I've, you are you you're not thinking rationally. Then you're just, you're moving instinctually. You are going to save the boy from falling, and he says that this instinctual response is actually the evidence to show that empathy is a natural part of our makeup as a human being. This is what he believes, and so he would say because we all feel that that's that's all the evidence you need you need even though he has other stories to articulate this and it's interesting because modern science can even back up this idea of the four sprouts which has been studied which is very interesting that there's actually evidence in evolutionary biology and cognitive science of innate moral emotions not only in humans but also in many mammals which corresponds to Manchester's four sprouts and, and modern sites would say this is especially the case with empathy. They would say that empathy is a basic instinct underlying a wide range of social interactions. So in human and other primates it relates to um, this phrase in science, this, this new knowledge in science of the mirror neuron system. Now the mirror, the mirror neuron system creates a sensory motor resonance when we observe or imagine actions involving external agents or other agents. So this mirror neuron, mirror neuron is, for example, think about it this way. When you see someone cut yourself, uh, cut themselves, you, you, you sort of flinch as well. You know, if there was not that deep, deep down feeling of empathy, we wouldn't have that flinch. We wouldn't feel, we wouldn't have the ability to feel what others feel. And this is Mench's point and this is also what modern science is saying. The mirror neurons are the evidence of this empathy. So empathy, which is, which is enabled by this mirror, neuro, mirror neuron system, is what motivates compassionate behavior. That's, the, that's what a lot of the study in evolutionary biology and cognitive science are coming to. So this again relates to the child in the well story. So we have this natural feeling of empathy, we have this natural goodness that mentions he keeps articulating within the text that we are naturally good. And he uses that story and modern science to back it up as well. So many people will say then, why don't we see many of these sprouts growing within people in the modern day, or even back in the ancient times, and this is where a, a lot of people, criticized Mencius because a lot of people were looking out in society and people do feel his philosophy. They go, you know, I, I do understand it, and I feel it and it sounds like a very sane philosophy but I don't see a lot of it playing out within people. And Mencius had a very simple way of explaining this. He would say that environment is important. You know, we always hear this, you are the environment. We always hear this saying in these, in these days and this comes from certain philosophies like Mencius. And to articulate his point that the environment is important, Mencius used the story of Ox Mountain. Now, one of his students was questioning him as to whether human nature was really good. And he said to Mencius, he said, look at, look at Ox Mountain, it's bald, it's desolate, but look at the other mountains in the background, they're beautifully green, lush, so Ox Mountain nature must be bad. And then Mencius said, you're looking at it in the wrong way, your perspective is too narrow. He said, look at where Ox Mountain is situated, it is situated on the outskirts of a big city. So because it's, it, because it's situated on the outskirts of a big city, it is, this, it is one of the main sources, the main places for resources. So the city would go there, cut all the trees down, which made it desolate. And then after they cut all the trees down, new sprouts continue to grow, but then farmers take their cows and their sheep to graze the field, to graze the land. So it's, it remains desolate. So Mencius's point is that Ox Mountain's nature is fundamentally good, but why it's bald and it looks desolate and it, doesn't, and it doesn't look like it has good human nature is because of the environment it is in. It's in a toxic environment. And this was his point for us, for people. He believes the reason why most people don't look like they have these sprouts or this this fundamental human nature is because they themselves are situated in toxic environments, in environments that are not healthy for us. He might say a city is not a healthy environment for us because there's too much external stimuli, too too much of everything, too much sensory input which is only going to cause disharmony within. So he would say that just like Ox Mountain, people have this ability to get beaten down by society as well. They constantly are getting beaten down by society and we don't see that their nature is good. Now this kind of philosophy is why in the East there was the, the birth of spiritual places like a sangha. A sangha is a, is a Sanskrit word for spiritual community. You see, asanga in, in in Buddhism and other, mainly in Buddhism in the East. So, asanga, sangha, is a spiritual community, and you also see this in Hinduism with ashrams, where people will go to get away from society, to go to a spiritual setting, to heal themselves and to understand themselves more. Also, with monasteries in Buddhism and Taoism. So, we had these places that were healthy environments for people to realize that their nature is fundamentally good and even in Buddhism and Hinduism to take it even one step further to realize that deep down within you're already enlightened. So I point here is that you need to create your life to the point where it is conducive for growth in your life. So you need to understand all the factors of your life and you need to structure it in a way where it is conducive for growth whether that be if you, need, if you need to move city, if you need to change your diet, if you need to start exercising. All of these simple things, lead, small things lead to great change and Menchies kind of articulates that philosophy. But always keep in mind that at the forefront that the environment is important. You need to understand that if you are in an environment that is causing you to act a certain way, then maybe the environment needs to be questioned. Now. To, to flip this over, as, as beautiful as Mencius' philosophy is, there could, we could say there are some holes in his philosophy and a lot of people probably have already pointed this out so far. First of all, when we talk about nature or naturalness, agriculture is not nature or naturalness. Nature or naturalness requires no care. It just naturally grows of itself. That's how nature is. Agriculture, on the other hand, requires a lot of care, extensive care. So when we're talking about humans, if we are talking about natural tendencies, that, spontane- that spontaneity that of itself that happens within us, we shouldn't be talking about all this tender care that has to be applied to agriculture, we should be talking about weeds. So this is why when we look at other philosophies during the Warring States period, we have Zhuangzi. And Zhuangzi on the other hand, he would say, embrace the weeds. And Laozi would probably agree with Zhuangzi there, they were both Taoist philosophers. Embrace the weeds because weeds is, is nature, it's naturalness, it grows of itself. And this is kind of the contradiction in Manchester's philosophy. He has that aspect of letting nature grow of itself, but he believes that it needs to be, have a lot of tender care towards it to make it grow harmoniously and to make it grow um, probably quicker than it would ordinary grow if it was just growing of itself. So the depth of naturalness is more evident in other philosophies like with Lao Tzu and Zhuangzi as opposed to Mencius. Though Mencius does address social morality more than than some of those Taoist philosophers. And I think that his um, social ethics is even at a better level because of the mixture of Confucian and Taoist thought than say Confucius or or Shunzi. So it's no detrimental to to Mencius. It's It's a beautiful philosophy. But you know, each each philosopher during that time has their place and they have a specific point that is important to us sometimes in different parts of our life as well. So the agricultural metaphor is a beautiful one by Mencius. It's, it relates to how we grow, it relates to how we grow within the social sphere, though we could say that in regards to naturalness it doesn't apply as well as the Lao Tzu and Zhuangzi and Zhuangzian philosophy. But the Mencius philosophy is a beautiful philosophy and probably one that is more palatable to the modern day than a lot of the other warring states period sages and philosophers. Mencius philosophy is very unique and it does apply very well to our lives in the modern, modern world. So if you're interested in Mencius, I, I implore you to, to research him more after this episode even though I've provided a lot. There is a lot to know about Mencius and it is a beautiful philosophy and I hope you dive into it and I look forward to seeing you again next time.